This is Brian Zimmerman, executive editor of Jazz Is Magazine, and you're listening to Jazz Is Conversations. All right, well, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the very first episode of Jazz Is Conversations, a new podcast brought to you by Jazz Is Magazine. I am your host, Brian Zimmerman. You know, if you've been following Jazz Is throughout this crazy time period that has been uh, the pandemic, you know that uh, we spent the past year or so having amazing conversations with uh, some of your favorite musicians from around the world uh, via our live stream, our video live stream, first called the Jazz Is Daily Brunch, then called Jazz Is Live. Well, the world is in a different place now than it was a year ago, Uh, and that's actually good news for a lot of jazz musicians who are able to get back into the studio, who are able to get back on tour, who are able to gain a sense of normalcy, so to speak, in their lives. Uh, And so for us, that kind of meant finding out a new way to bring you content on a regular basis, and uh, this new podcast venture, Jazz's Conversations, is something we're really excited about. We're going to be bringing you the same kind of conversations, in-depth conversations with the musicians you love. Uh, And we're also going to be bringing in some new voices like jazz's contributors, fellow jazz's editors. So we really want to make this more of a roundtable conversation between the musicians making the amazing music we love and the writers and editors and graphic designers who chronicle it. Uh, So that is the gist behind Jazz's Conversations. We thank you for joining us on this adventure, and uh, yeah, we're excited to bring you along. With that, we will go ahead and launch into our very first episode. We're starting on an incredibly high note uh, because our first guest for Jazz's Conversations is none other than the legendary guitarist uh, John McLaughlin. We're talking a living legend of improvised music with a career now spanning more than five decades. Uh, John McLaughlin is no stranger, of course, to translating tumultuous moments into compelling, thoughtful audio art. Um, You could just listen to his contributions to Miles Davis's, uh, Jack Johnson's sessions. Um, He really, in a lot of ways, John McLaughlin, helped pioneer the rock-jazz hybrid that is fusion. Of course, with Miles Davis, later with Tony Williams' Lifetime, and with his own groups, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, um... I mean, the guy's a legend. There's no way around it. More importantly, uh, he has a new album out right now. It was released on July 16th, 2021 on the label Abstract Logics. It's called Liberation Time. And John was kind enough to uh, join us and talk about the new album, about uh, as well as what else has been going on in his life um, via his home in Monaco. In this conversation, we are joined by Jazz's contributor, Bill Milkowski. Uh, Now, if you don't know Bill, you've probably read his stuff in our magazine and on our website. Besides being a walking encyclopedia on all things jazz, um, this guy is an expert on jazz fusion. I mean, uh, wrote the book 
on Jaco Pastorius, and I mean that literally. Uh, he wrote an excellent biography of you know fusion bassist Jaco Pastorius. Um, so I could think of no one better to talk to John than Bill Milkowski. It's in this conversation, like with all things John McLaughlin, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We get spiritual, we talk music, we talk art, and we just catch up on life. As I said, it is our very first Jazz's Conversation, and we sincerely hope you enjoy it. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, but first, I want to let you know that today's episode of Jazz's Conversations is brought to you in part by NAD Electronics. NAD is renowned for its award-winning line of components for audio and home theater, which includes amplifiers, receivers, and turntables. And here's a hint they gave us, a little tip for uh, all of us vinyl fans out there to minimize feedback and skipping. Cite the turntable where vibrations from footfalls and vibrations from your speaker are minimized. Mounting a shelf to an outside wall some distance away from your speakers usually works quite well. Um, they, the NAD is great with sharing these tips for true audiophiles. Um, you can sign up. By the way, check this out. You can sign up now for a chance to win a custom Jazz's turntable uh, made by NAD Electronics. On their site, this is we have designed a custom wrap for their turntable. It looks so sharp. It'll look great uh, on your mantle, on your credenza, or on a shelf on an outside wall. And to sign up, cost free to win that turntable, all you have to do is go to nadelectronics.com/vinylclub. Again, that's nadelectronics.com/vinylclub for your chance to win this amazing prize. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this jazz's conversation between John McLaughlin and Bill Milkowski. You everybody well? Yes, how about yourself, John? Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. Very Could good. do with a couple more concerts, but, you know, I got two, so no complaints. Hey, that's good, you know. <laughs> yeah, anything more than, than the last couple of years, you know, as long as people are out there touring. Yep. And- that's great. I well, I had two last year, so I'm keeping up the tradition. Got two this year. All right. Where are, <laughs> are you? Are you home now? Yeah, I'm in a friend's house down the coast. Yes. <clears throat> Very cool. Well, John, hey, thanks again for doing this, by the way. And uh, just to give you a heads up how it's going to work, uh, we're all on video, but this is for a podcast, so it's going to be for audio only. Um, so if at any time, you know, you need to take a drink, turn off your video, whatever, it's, it's not going to affect the audio podcast. Um, no, we're going to re- it's nicer to see the, uh, <laughs> see the faces. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I always think it helps makes for a better interview. Um, and yeah, this will be, we can edit it, um, and it'll be, um, released later. Uh, Bill is going to be running the interview mostly I'm here running the boards, making sure everybody's audio is good, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I'm not, this is not live. Uh, and this will be audio only. And, uh, okay. Ryan, can I get a mic check on? I just switched. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let me sound. Okay. Let me pull up your settings. Sound good to me, Bill. Yeah. It sounds good to me too. Say something, Bill. Um, Everything's beautiful over here. All right. <laughs> I couldn't be on the video and the, the external mic at the same time. So I can right. either take my face out and have a better quality mic or do this. 
This is fine. I hear yeah, fine. Yeah, I think it sounds pretty good. And, okay. Uh, you it's know, just if it, the headset mic. Yeah, if it if it yes. helps have everybody's faces here, I think that's a good call. So, uh, well, Brian, I I, I, don't, I don't know if we have ever met. Have we have we had a chance to speak ever before? I don't think so. I don't no, think so. I, Maybe no, through. I don't, I don't, yeah. I know the name. I mean, you you have a very famous name. You know, there's there's a, no, no, there's an amazing pianist, Christian Zimmerman. Oh you yeah, ever heard of him? Yeah, classical. Yeah, pianist. Yeah, sure. classical. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no relation, <laughs> but he he's is great. great. And of course, Bob Dylan's last right. name, his real Zimmer last name, oh, yeah. is Zimmerman. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the Mad Magazine that came out with 1970, 1972, 73. And it was a story of Bob Dylan, but they called it The Adventures of Zimmerman. <laughs> and, and Jerry Goodman was really, he was not happy. <laughs> He's, I'm mm. never going to read Mad Magazine again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, and sure my middle name did. is Bob, too. Yep. Oh, yeah. And Bill, how have you been? Very good. That uh, book I did on Michael Brecker is coming out in October. Oh, Michael. Oh, I have and to you, buy uh, it. You contributed a nice bit of testimony for that. Yeah, um, Michael, I miss him. There yeah. seems to be more and more of Michael on YouTube, which is which is very sweet. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like some things that are coming from TV shows here and there. It's great. So it's mm. out. It's, I mean, it's coming out in when fall. It's coming out October first. Okay. And it took like two and a half years. That's a lot of time for a book. Yeah, man. What? How thick is it? <laughs> How many pages you got? Four hundred. 400. Oh, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. I spent all of 2019 interviewing and then all of 2020 transcribing and writing the book. So I would have wow. been in lockdown anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You know, I worked yeah, the whole yeah. year on writing it and pretty much pulling the pieces together this year. And now it's ready. Very good. And have who's you it had published a nice, by? Uh, it's called, uh, it's back, Backbeat Books. Backbeat. They also backbeat. They put out the Jocko Pastorius book I did mm. a while oh, ago. Okay. Mm. But listen, no, man, in preparing okay. for this interview, I went back and checked out. I have a copy of an interview I did with you in 1978. Uh, well, I was well, living in Milwaukee too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was. Um, I was living in Milwaukee. You had the One Truth Band. And you yeah. came through town, and I did an interview with you at your hotel room the next day. And uh, heavy uh, existential conversation. It was about media and uh, spirituality and existence. I think the fact that I had been reading Carlos Castaneda books at the time influenced well, it's still my the, question. still the same old song, Bill. No. Yeah. <laughs> But tell me, was that was that the version of the One Truth Band with Sonship on drums, T.M. Yes. Stevens? Yes. Because yes. that's that's uh, that and band was, ne was never recorded except um, live, and there's something coming out because you know the Montreux Festival are bringing out a compilation. Right. right. You heard about it, and they're on that. That they're on that. Yes, yeah, so I'm really happy because Sonship was he was something. It was amazing. TM too, both of them together. I'm very 
coming from very different musical backgrounds. You know, TM is like master of funk. Right. And, but um, Sonship, and I mean, he, of course, he had, he had experience playing with Marvin Gaye, but uh, I mean, when I heard him play, where well, he was playing with McCoy, and that was just, he was killing it. It was beautiful. And Stu Goldberg. And Stu Goldberg, yes. No, right. El Shankar was in that band, too. Right, right. From the very first Shakti, yep. Yeah, so... We'll get to we'll get to hear at least this one piece from that from that band. I'm very happy about that. Anyway, I know I'm digressing here. So well, let me Bill. just continue with the digression a little bit. You say okay. in this interview, I was 24 at the time. I'm coming up on 67. Uh, you say the name of the band is the One Truth Band, which says pre precisely what I've been getting at, only much better. Because it doesn't matter what religion, there's only one truth, and that is God loves you. We're all loved by God without exception. And that's a beautiful, wonderful, marvelous thing when you discover it for yourself. And when that kind of spirit is embodied in music, the result is just marvelous. And pretty no, much, I, that's been I a manifesto. Have it better. <laughs> that's, that's been your manifesto all these years, continuing to the new album, Liberation Time, where you have so. uh, quite a statement that you write in the liner notes about yes. uh, the mysterious and beautiful universe, which brought your attention to the spirit. So you've been a spirit-seeking person your whole life, all your career. Yeah, well, the, the spirit is the one thing that, that uh, we can never truly understand in a, in a in any kind of rational logic way, because it's not. It's, it's, it's just probably the epitome of irrationality, isn't it? The amazing thing about the human being is that the human being is constantly in contact with the spirit. I mean, all of us, without exception, because there's no life without the spirit. There's no consciousness, let's say, you know, because we're all, we all share, you know, uh, consciousness, and then and, and there are an infinite... Uh, how would how would you say? you could say there are infinite frequencies of consciousness, right? I mean, tree has a consciousness, a flower has a consciousness, dogs have consciousness. Uh, I mean, I believe even planets have consciousness, and all these different they're all different levels of frequencies. And the human being has got one particular band in the frequency of consciousness, but we can by work uh, develop our awareness, which, which is uh, the essence of consciousness, and, uh, and find our way to find our way to the spirit, you know, or God, whatever you want to call it. it God is such a, such an, uh, a volatile word. Uh, I prefer not to use it anymore because, because uh, you know, uh, <laughs> who was that comedian? George um, Carlin. Yes, you know, and his and his famous joke, you know, do you have the right answer to the God question? You know, do you believe in God? No, <laughs> dead. You believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe in my God? No, <laughs> dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's it's so. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't so absurd and close to the truth, it wouldn't be funny. But but uh, 
So I prefer to use the spirit. The spirit touches everybody. Well, and it's just really a question of whether we're aware of it or not. You know, whether we use that. that, that and you suggest, you suggest that through music, prayer, and poetry, we can approach this mystery, the spirit. And then yeah. you offer this uh, devotional poem. And this all reads very much like Love Supreme. John Cole. Uh, yeah, I, I knew analogies would be drawn on that, but uh, it's not the first time. Is it? <laughs> you know, I'm going to be doing that until until I fully keel over, mm. uh, because the impact I, I can I can not understate underestimate the impact that, that Coltrane had on me at a pivotal moment in my life when I was. Um, searching for the answers to the great questions of existence you know i mean for example who am i and what am i doing in this infinite and mysterious universe this beyond understanding you know i mean we look for meaning don't we we look for meaning to existence and and at that time i started meditating but you know in the dark because i was just coming out of my psychedelic experiences, <clears throat> but uh, I figured the, the, they kind of gave me the answer. I just, I had to find myself by work in a way, you know, and that work is like yoga or meditation or through music also, but uh, I started uh, questioning, you know, and asking the question of who am I and starting meditation classes and yoga classes. So, and when this poem, came along, the thing is, uh, gentlemen, is I've been listening to Coltrane for, uh, since 1958 when Milestones came out. Mm. And, and I followed him from that point as I followed uh, well, everybody else on that album. And, and I, I appreciating and really loving what Coltrane was doing on his own when he formed his band, and then A Love Supreme came out, and I could not hear it. So uh, I had no, I was listening to the music, and I couldn't get it. I, it was way over my head. Um, mm. But because of this marvelous poem on the back uh, of the album, I knew the music was related to that. And, and so the problem was my ignorance or incapacity to, to appreciate what he was doing musically. Uh, and I, I listened to that record for a year, I think well, almost every day. And of course, uh, a year or so later, I put the album on and for some reason uh, I had enough uh, intelligence or whatever capacity to suddenly hear what he was doing. And it was just magnificent, wonderful. And so, of course, by that time, the poem had been an inspiration, constant inspiration. And then I finally put the two together. And this was, this was a very, very powerful moment in my life. And marked me forever, you know. And I mean, it still marks me to this day. I still listen to Trey. And he's beautiful, beautiful human being, beautiful musician, and totally inspiring. So, of course, it's here. And when I speak about the spirit, because it's, it's, 
the spirit i mean if people don't hear the spirit in the music it's, it's not that it's not there because it is from the other musicians too and, it, and you don't have to be meditating or, or anything or, or so-called spiritual because miles was probably one of, one of the most hedonistic musicians jazz musicians of the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s all the way through the 90s i mean i played with him on the, with the last paris concert but miles was touched by the spirit from from a very early age you listen to this music you know and that just speaks volumes just amazing music that he plays and not only just the music that he played but even before train, he helped train and train, uh, you know, acknowledges that I think in this famous interview on miles in Sweden, where Coltrane gives an interview to the Swedish radio, right. you know, and, and even the interview is weird. It's like saying, you know, people have, you know, say you have an ugly sound and, and train gracious as always, you know, yeah, you know, I'm working on my sound, you know, uh, you know, and this, I mean, the sound he had was like, sound of heaven, amazing. Yeah. In any event, yeah. you know, look, look what Train did with, with So What, you know, I mean, he took that and expanded it. We all did. Michael did it, Michael Brecker, you know, and the, the title track from, 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 uh, from the new album, it's, it's that. It's, it's that structure, and what am I going to do with it? How am I going to express myself, and how can I, you know, acknowledge the spirit in the music? So, yeah. <clears throat> but it's, it's, so it's not a question of like, well, you have to be spiritual, because I don't like this word either. You know, it's, it's very misleading and, and uh, an almost abused word, like God. You know, these words are kind of abused, and I... And I, I don't like to lose them. Uh, if anything, uh, my whole life has been oriented towards self-knowledge. One of the reasons, just, and I'm going to continue, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, you barge on in. Um, uh, Wait a minute. The thing is, the thing about the thing about jazz and improvisation is, is, you know, you're going to play a tune. Then you're gonna play a solo. All right. So what are you gonna what are you gonna say in a solo? What is anybody gonna say in a jazz solo? Is there okay? It's a rhetorical question, but th there's only one answer, and the musician can only tell his story at that moment, how he's feeling about himself, about the music, about the people around him, and and ultimately the universe and his relationship with this infinite mystery that we're all in the middle of. And so in, for me, the, the practice of meditation and yoga enriched my inner life and in a way developed my passions. People, people say, well, you know, like sweet and pretty and everything. And, and that's, that's not true. You, you hear, you hear, uh, intergalactic space from, from train or some of the, the you know even the, the 60s miles 1965 either miles in europe or foreign more i mean just pure passion and even the buddha said 
enlightenment or in the passions. So, mm. you know, just just to to keep it to keep it balanced. There's no such thing as like being pure and impure. Everything is mixed together, black and white. These are all intellectual divisions, aren't they? In the mm. end. Indeed. And so so for me, every time I play is the, the moment when I tell my story. It's as simple as that, you know. And but what I want when I go to a concert is I want that person to, to sweep me away into their world mm. and make me discover the beauty of their world and how strongly they feel it about themselves, the music and and, and to be to lose myself in them, basically. It's as simple as that. So voila. <laughs> well, this new album is really, speaking of spirit, it's a real victory of the spirit in overcoming oh, the physical you, adversity. It's it's like Django overcoming physical adversity. Pat Martino. Yeah, now you. I mean, uh, there was a couple of years ago where you thought you weren't going to be playing the guitar yes, anymore. Yes, sir. And yes, here sir. you are. The first tune as the spirit sings. It's like a manifesto. I'm back, baby. <laughs> it's chops, articulation. It's John McLaughlin, man. Well, you know, I should I should point out to you because you, you mentioned this thing with hand. I don't know if Brian is aware of the, the, these. I had problems with my hand. I had arthritis problems. Right. It yeah. started in, in early 2014. And I tried this cure and that cure and that doctor and that doctor. And and until about three years ago, I ended up having these hyaluric acid injections directly in my hand. Mm. And every three months, and it, and it helped. But I could see that at some point, I was going to have to have increase the dose or increase the frequency. And I heard about um, this... Um, is Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza, an American doctor, and and his and I I don't know him personally, but I read about his life and how he cured himself of a fractured spine in three places mm. by going inside and healing himself and talking to his body. So, and I can tell you. Absolutely. And I started this about two and a half, three years ago. Every morning, I talk to my hands. And I tell them, thank you for what you've given me in my life. I'm full of gratitude to you. You're beautiful. You're marvelous, miraculous hands. Thank you. And here I am three years later. I stopped my injections. I have no pain. I'm still playing. As you can see, so this is this again. I think we could say it's another manifestation of the spirit. I think absolutely. Say. Yeah, great power of the mind in medicine. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, Brian. There's great power of the mind in medicine. You know, we we, we totally underestimate. Totally we underestimate. So we're walking miracles, Brian. Yeah, yeah. But we just you know we got to tap into it. Yeah. Know? 
Well, and Bill mentioned overcoming some personal adversity, but also widespread global adversity, too. I mean, to put together an album in the middle, essentially, of a <laughs> pandemic where you couldn't tour, you couldn't be with other musicians. Um, yeah. Very difficult to do. But in a way, in a way, uh, I was lucky to have the experience um, because, you know, the lockdown here started on St. Patrick's Day, 17th of February last year okay and uh, but by already like a month later we were all like thinking right let's let's put something together i'll send a session over you send a session to me you do you do, i'll do my part and and we did well we did a number with fourth dimension i did this even solo you know do some fundraisers because let's face it there are people who are in far worse position than i am uh, musicians, especially, and, you know, we did we did a few uh, fundraisers for musicians um, with the Fourth Dimension. Carlos and I did one with Cindy, with Narda, um, and but this was very beneficial because really by by October last year, mid October, I was like, I was going bonkers because I had everything cancelled. I'd had two concerts in January. You know, my whole life I'm sp spent touring and playing. It's, you know, and, and so I just like eight, nine months later, I'm like, you know, what am I doing? It's like, I'm going crazy here. And and so I started, sat down, I said, well, let's see what's happening. And all the music came out. So of this album in, in a very short space of time. So in a way, I have to thank COVID. It's kind of ironic that this album exists because I really don't know if, if I hadn't been so like pent up with like frustration and, uh, and you know dissatisfaction not being able to play missing my social contact with the musicians so in an ironic way I have to thank I have to thank COVID for this album it's strange I mean uh, can we talk about some of the tracks, individual tracks? I really loved uh, sure. singing our secrets. It had that minor key ballad vibe, reminiscent of uh, Horace Silver's piece. Oh yeah, very beautiful. Uh, oh, thank uh, you. Where okay. is that? Did you compose that during uh, the lockdown? Uh, yeah, the everything came out of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everything came out of COVID, Bill. You know. No, it's frustration really is the key word. And we, yeah, because don't forget here in Monaco in France, um, we were living under total lockdown for, for, for a while. And then the lockdown, but very gradually opened up. But then there were, we were, I don't know for how many months, living under a curfew. And it's, you know, it started, it went on for a couple of months, like six p.m. in the evening and then 7 p.m. another month another six weeks 8 p.m. another six weeks mm. 9 p.m. you know and so you know there's no there's no there's no club open there's no music there's no it's nothing it's, it's really nothing so um everybody was was i think i'm not the only one who made an album in 2020 no Chris Potter, Chris Potter did one at home where he did all the instruments himself. Uh, 
bass, drums, guitar, keyboards, multiple horns. I couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, bravo, bravo. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it it really was a very difficult time for so many people, and still is to to a large degree. You know, I mean, I talk to people in whether in India, India, they had a really bad right. musician. I mean, every every no no spectacle, no no concert, no musical, no theater, no nothing. You know, and so you know, everybody was just like scuffling along, just trying to get by. And that was, um, that was well, these uh, tunes really a have a, these tunes have a very jubilant quality. It's like lockdown blues is not a low down blues. It's, it's upbeat, man. It's, it has a lot of energy. Liberation time is uh, modal kind of oh, yeah. impressions kind of a vibe. And uh, this tune right here, right now, right on, is so swinging, but I don't know who these young players are. Can you talk about them? Yeah, with pleasure. Because the well, right away when the music started to come out. Well, I'm sure we spoke about this before over our different interviews, Bill. Mm -hmm. But uh, when when I, I get a musical idea for for a piece, I I don't like to like modify it. I like to leave it the way it is, which is why some of these tunes have got funny time signatures, all got strange harmonic structures. Uh, so it, it's it's really uh, the way the way it is, and th this was the philosophy from the beginning. But one of the things the music told me right away was that other than lockdown blues, because that fourth dimension with with Etienne Mbappe playing. Bass guitar. Right. All right. the other tunes, they 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 needed upright bass. Mm. You know? So in a way, in a way, there was this there was this unconscious that became conscious to me when the music started to come out. Like I'm kind of in the 60s here with this genre of of, of rhythm section, this genre, this way of playing. But with with the electric guitar of today, so um, that was one thing, <clears throat> and also it was not a fourth dimension album. It was it was just like just open. It was wide open, and so I just started to 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 speak to different people. Uh, I mean, there were there were actually I, I, there were so many great players. You know, I could have made 10 albums if I just called everybody, but I ran out the music. So it was enough for one album. And even so, it's, it's kind of like the amount of music uh, is for a vinyl album. It's about 38, 39 minutes of music. Oh. It was maximum they allowed us in the good old days. Um, but we have... Let's talk about drummers. We have this young drummer, uh, Nicolas Vicaro, who was That's actually great. from Nice, you know, in, in the south of France, uh, living in Paris now. And I got to know him through a restaurant here in Monaco called Le Bleu, Blue Note, in French. Mm. And he was the house drummer. And, and they would invite... Uh, different musicians uh, from Europe, from America. Bill Evans 
played there, Mike Stern played there, and there were always jam sessions. And Nicholas was the house drummer, so I got to play with him a few times over the years. And I always really loved his playing. He's he's a he's a real free spirit, and um, and so he he was one. I wanted to play with Vinny again because I hadn't played with Vinny in a long time. Uh, Vinny's on it. Um, this was one of the cases where I couldn't get the bass player and the drummer to play together because generally speaking on the album, on the tracks, I, I wanted the bass player and the drummer to record together. This is this is normal. But there was this, this young bass player from uh, from London, who's actually the house bass player in Ronnie Scott's club, Sam mm. Burgess. Mm. Yeah, fine, fine player. And um, and so that and he he's on the track with 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 Vinny and um, Gary's playing piano on this, right? On that track. Then there's, there was um, I had Nicholas on another tune on the Right Here, Right Now track with this young French bass, bass player uh, called Jérôme Regard, who is another, I mean, the level of these young guys, it's, it's wonderful, really, it's wonderful. I just hope they get some gigs, you know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have any illusions about getting a record deal because who's going who's gonna to give them a record deal these days? Mm. Anyway. What's a record deal, Bill? <laughs> What's a record? <laughs> I know I'm being ironic here, you know, but it's so sad because I see, I see, I see, you know, musicians struggling, and I'm wondering that if if some potential musicians kind of decide not to become musicians, because how are they going to make a living? I mean, in this world, because the Go world is politics. very. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we we need we need we need culture to be important in you know the political programs of people, but it's 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 not. It's it's almost become less important with, with since COVID. But uh, and that's the way it is. Um, anyway, great talents. Um, uh, Jul Julian Siegel. Yes, Julian Siegel. Um, Julian Siegel, I got to meet in, um, to, oh, must be, uh, yeah, early 2019, um, when I got an invite to, to write the music for a movie, uh, um, right. which is, yeah, it's, it's New York based nice. movie. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it's, and it's an independent <clears throat> and the guy's. <clears throat> he's he's a great director, and I love the theme uh, of the movie. It's kind of like, and all filmed in New York. Uh, it's 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 about redemption. Uh, this movie, and I really like that. Um, and so, and so, uh, Jack Stallings, the director, he called me, and his favorite movie is. Uh, Elevated to the through the galleries, Miles. Sure you, know, you know that, yeah, mild. And the you know, first of all, the movie is what they call film noir. It's, it's one of the greatest. And 
Miles's music is just sublime. And so, you know, the, I'd done music for a movie once, but it was this, like, a simple documentary about a Tibetan kind of monk and, you know, very kind of offbeat, off scene, but pleasure to do. I did that with Trilog Gurtu. Mm. Um, in any event, so so he called me up and he said, I haven't, I haven't, you know, done it, but I really like your music. I like, you know, what you're doing. And I said, well, if it's a movie, I said, uh, have you heard of Louis Mao? He said, yeah, you're talking about in the elevators of the gallows. I said, that's right. I said, and you know who did the music? He said, of course. I said, I said you know, Miles improvised that, all that music. I said, if you want to let me do it, you know, the way I want, then, yeah, let's do it. He said, that's exactly what I want. You, I want you to do it. <clears throat> anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm different to Miles because, because he sent me a scenario and I, and I, so I, I with all the different characters, I actually have a piece for each of the characters, a, a motif, you know, but I wanted a saxophone in there and I heard uh, just uh, one track of Julian. And so I, 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 I called him up and said, let's, let's, let's do this album together. So he's on the album. Unfortunately, because of COVID, the Jack had to stop filming around last March. And he's starting up again. He's, he's in the process of filming at the moment. So we're hoping that the, that the, the movie will be finished, you know, I don't know, late fall. Yeah, like you this. were telling me about this movie a couple of years oh, ago. I know. And then Julian's on that, and he is beautiful. He's got his own style. You can hear, of course, his roots. You can hear the different colors, you know, whether it's um, Coltrane or whether it's Joe Henderson, you know, and, and Wayne. You know the, the different influence coming in, but it's he's himself. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he's very much himself. So I, I, he's in there. Um, I did, uh, I did a thing. No, I got it. I got a, uh, an email from this pianist Oz Ezeldine. Have you heard of him before? I saw him with uh, Billy Cobham's Crosswinds Project. Oh, you with, did? Uh, Rand with Randy Brecker. Yeah, they played at uh, the Blue Note for a week and saw Oz playing on that gig. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, I, I I heard a thing. First of all, he did it. He did a, I did a little little contest on the internet, which was, which is a, a thing uh, for guitar, but really, it's, it's very tricky. And and so and I put I put the kind of the the dare the dare you uh, do this you know because it, it's in thirteen A and it's really tricky it's really tricky and and Oz sent me this video and he nailed it you know mm -hmm. and I thought wow this guy this guy got something so mm -hmm. th there's this tune and I said this is Oz has got to do this piece and he did. You know, what was so crazy was the distance between these recordings. You know, with Vinnie being in, in L.A., uh, Oz was in, he's from, he's from Cairo originally, 
Mm, and he right. was in Cairo. He did this recording in Cairo because he was there. His dad was not well. And so mm. he, he, he lives in San Francisco, but he was there to see his dad. So he did his, he did his part in San Francisco, in, in Cairo. And of course, there was Paris with Jerome, Gary in London, um, in two different studios. Um, Vinny in this studio in LA. Who's left? Anyway, it, it was, but sometimes I should, I should tell you that the session would come back with different parts on, and the guys had taken it to another level. Mm. There was one other, one other point that was very important. When I send out the, the, the session to everybody, the different musicians, uh, either with the scores or a demo tape, so they could hear, get the idea of how the piece should, should move. Uh, my instructions were to everybody, like, for example, to all the piano players, because I would do the piano part, but, you know, refugee style. So I'd say, listen, you hear me doing, you hear me playing the chord. I do not want you to do it the way I do it. You know, you can use the harmony, but I want to hear you be yourself in the accompaniment. And if you have a solo, which invariably they did, I said, I want you to be absolutely yourself. This is not any way what you think I might like. Mm. I, I don't, yeah, I don't care about that anymore. I want to, I want to see you, the human being, the person. I want to hear you. And in a way, I think that might have liberated them to a little bit, to some degree, maybe psychologically. They didn't have to worry about whether I was going to be happy with it or not. But sometime they they send back the, the, the session, and and that was so good. I had to redo my part just to be up to them, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was that was a trip. Was that now, intuitive for you, John, to give that kind of advice as a band leader, or was that something you gleaned from other band leaders you worked with throughout your career? Well, I think you know. I mean, I, I never got to meet Train, Coltrane, mm. but. But working with Miles from '69 all the way through to, to '91, on and off. I mean, what a teacher! Yeah. How what he was able to, to bring out of his musicians. But of course, he always had these cryptic <laughs> questions. You know. Don't play the butter notes. No, I mean it's <laughs> like it's a blues in F, but don't play F. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, if or, uh, play like you don't know how to play the guitar. Thank you. Yes, yeah. that's from in a solemn way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and but I never, I've never seen in front of in front of Jackie Jeanette. You know, we, we he stopped the recording, and and he went over to Jack and he said, Jack, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 bam. Okay, <laughs> what do you make of that? <laughs> You know, basically what he did was he knocked everything you know out of your mind yeah. and 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 you and you play different you just play differently because you, you don't know anything anymore. He would just and he had this he, and he, I saw him do it to everybody. It was it was a marvelous gift and a fantastic lesson. 
But all he wanted uh, always was for the musicians to be himself, be themselves. I mean, the, but in the direction he wanted to go. But he was not always sure which direction he was going in. I mean, classic example would be Bitches Brew. Mm -hmm. We'd be in the studio, and I could see, by this time I got to know him rather well because I was at his house a lot. He was inviting me over all the time and picking my brain for, for some riffs or some or some wakachu, you know. And, and I could see in the studio that he didn't really know what he wanted, but he really knew what he didn't want. And I think that's as important, isn't it? You told that story once about taking Miles to see Monterey Pop, the movie, and he was like freaking out about the Hendrix scene. Yeah, but he, well, that's going back to 69 again when I was yeah. by his house. And, and, yeah. and he was asking me about Jimmy. And, uh, and I said, Jimmy's, Jimmy's revolutionary. Jimmy's just turned the guitar world on his head. I mean, he's unbelievable. And he said, I've never seen him. I said, you've never seen him play? And, I, and they, he had a copy of The Village Voice. You know the story. And I found one of these art cinemas downtown mm -hmm. in Soho. And right. I said, Miles, we're going to the movies. You know, I took him to the movies. <laughs> he was sitting there. And Jimmy was playing. All he was doing, down, down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was—he just, Jimmy blew him away. It was wonderful to see him. I like the comment that uh, Miles gave to you. You told me this once in an interview. After hearing the Mediterranean, your concerto, his very brief, <laughs> cryptic comment after, after hearing it, he listened to the whole thing, and then he said, "Yes, now you can die. Now you can <laughs> die, John." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so what, a, what an amazing thing to say. What a mind he had. Uh, you know, I mean, he was, he was, uh, I really miss him to this day. We didn't mention anything me. yet about the solo piano pieces on the new album. Where's true, that coming true. from? You know, very he Eric Satie. Very well, yeah. There's, an, there's another influence on me, along with Ravel, Debussy, Scriabin, or about Gabriel Fauré, another mm -hmm. one. All of that, that impressionist gang from, from the early 20th century. Well, these pieces were recorded basically about 40 years ago, Bill. Wow. Yes, I know. And I still had, uh, before my refugee technique disappeared into the sunset, mm. um, I recorded these, I recorded them in MIDI, these two pieces. And I, I, I was going through my archives and I, and I pulled them out and I, I heard them. And by this time, uh, the music, the, the rest of the music was already in, in, in process of being created. But for some unknown reason, I felt they belonged in the mood of this album. And I don't have a logical reason. It's just, but they, were, they belonged in, in the past tense 
and but as opposed to being a musical piece, I saw them as musical poems because I don't have any technique. I have enough technique to play them. I couldn't play them today. I can offer the life of me. But uh, I saw them as poems almost because they're short, almost like a Japanese haiku, you know, with, with this real minimalist poetry that I really love it. And it's, it's so full of images, really. And, mm. uh, and so I just, I said, well, anyway, you know, how many records am I going to sell anyway? <laughs> 15. <laughs> anyway, so why why worry about what's good? I've never really worried anyway about that. But I know it was a little ose, a little daring to, to throw these ancient recorded pieces on the album. But I felt they belonged. You know, strangely enough, I've, I've had people who've, who've contacted me and they said, thank you for putting these pieces on. So, so I feel vindicated, you know. There's no no mastery or anything there, but they're just they're tone poems. A beautiful palate cleanser. Thank you. <laughs> That's a very elegant way to put it, Bill. Thank you. Um, this August marks the 50th anniversary of the Intermounting Flame. I wonder if you have any thoughts about that, and also the recent passing of your comrade. Oh my dear Rick, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. We were we were in quite close contact in these last last couple of months. Um, very much part of my personal history, my musical history, because it was, uh, in a way, the first manifestation of the spirit for me. I mean, of course, at that time, you know, I was uh, having having um, studied yoga with uh, Vishnu Devananda, you know, Mayogi Shakti. Uh, I was extremely fond, of, as I still am, of the Sufis and the Sufi movement, which I think is. And you know, who I used to meet there. I'm sure I told you, Paul Motion. Paul Motion. Yeah. Every week, I would we would meet at the Sufi meeting with the peer villa at com <clears throat> and but uh i'd become a, a, a disciple of sri chimoy who is a bhakti yoga which is the yoga of devotion yoga of the heart you could say and um and i let me just tell you a quick anecdote why i went with him because i was very uh, i was tempted to, uh, to go in other directions as well but i went to see him one night and, and to do a meditation with him. And and at, at the end of the, the meditation, he says, anybody got any questions? And it was just a small group of people. It must have been like 20, 25 people. And I said, yeah. I said, I, said, I have a question. Um, I would like to know what kind of real relationship music has to inner development, uh, enlightenment, you, you, whatever word you want to call it. And he said, oh, that's a very interesting question. He said, and, um, and music can be very helpful in towards self-enlightenment. However, he said, you don't have to be a musician. 
is that you can be a street sweeper. And if you sweep that street with full of heart, full of devotion, and with real, you know, maximum, you put your heart and soul in it. It means you sweep that street beautifully and devotedly. He said, you get there anyway. Mm. And that, that had a very strong impact on me because it put music, which, which I am, and music has been my life ever since, uh, but it put it in perspective that, that it's really, it's how we work. What is the intent behind what we do? You know, and, and, this, and this is why I went with him. And I stayed with him for five years. And I can tell you, for the first two years, I, I had no idea what meditation really was, you know. And in fact, what is, the, what is meditation after I'm meditating now about 60 years, almost, no, more 50-something years. And it's just discovering your inner being. That's all it is. It's just the, the, the cultivation of your consciousness. That's all it is. Uh, but the intent that I felt behind his answer was so significant that I stayed with him. Even though I left, uh, I left after five years because I had, I had disagreement, personal disagreement. And the, uh, the way I figure it, if you, have a, if you have a disagreement with your guru, it's time to leave. No, no matter how much you care for him, because I used to go back and see him in different meditations, but, hmm. but more as like an outsider as opposed to an insider. Wasn't it Danny Weiss who introduced you to this region? Yeah, it was Danny Weiss. The, and from, I uh, Vanguard Records, Danny. and he produced the Larry Coriel Spaces session. Yeah, exactly. That you played on. I don't know whatever happened to him. Do you know whatever He's happened running uh, Shanaki Records. He's got a label and really? he's doing fine, yeah. I wish I had a contact with him. He was very dear to me, but I lost contact with a lot of people, especially when I moved back to Europe. You know, it was like um, kind of. Uh, I still have I still have contact with some of them, some of the some, the ones that want contact with me. You know, as a matter of fact, <laughs> Mike Stern just called me the other day, and he's going to sign with Shanaki Records, Danny Weiss's label. Well, listen, if you if you get it, if you have a contact for them. I do. Just SMS it to me or whatever. Or I will. WhatsApp it to me and I'll write to him because, because yeah. I, I, I just want to thank him because yeah. he, he gave me so much by bringing me to, to Chinois. I mean, marvelous. Mm. I know he, he left even before me. And I think that was the point. You know, and this is always this thing with this, with these kind of not exactly cults. But you know, if you're in, then you leave. You're like persona non grata, you know, to quite a number of, of the other followers who really kind of uh, betrayed their trust to a degree. But you know, this is just silly. Anyway, we, I'm, he's he's, we, a, he's uh, a real pal. We mentioned that you lost your dear pal Rick Laird, who was also the house bassist at Ronnie Scott's. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And we were both in Brian Auger's band. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And, and Brian, who I moved out to San Francisco many years ago. 
But we that was a great band uh, with Brian and Rick. Rick, what a solid player. What a solid player he was. No, that band, that band was was a kind of miracle, Bill, wasn't it? I mean, you know, first of all, I was I was taken by Nat Weiss. And Nat Weiss, uh, you know, he, he had total faith in what I was going to do. And um, when, you know, Billy, who was the first guy I asked, I'm sure you remember, he was mm. the first guy I asked for, because Billy and I met on the Jack Johnson album. Right off. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and boy, he was killing it. And, and we got really tight. Right after that session, we started to hang out. And really, you know, until he was the first person I, I thought of. Uh, and, you know, Jerry, I didn't want a jazz violin player. I wanted an R&B violin player. And I it took some finding. Finally, I found that, that flock record that he was on. The flock. And uh, the flock, yeah. And and so and, and he was in. But do you remember the story I told you about Miroslav? Oh yeah, he wanted you to join Weather Report. Right, yeah, because because right in November November uh, nineteen seventy, I was out. I was down in. Uh, Lenny's on the turnpike with Miles, mm. and 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 I had a bad night. I, I really didn't have it together. I just couldn't do anything, you know. And uh, I'm telling it for Brian's benefit here. There was just Miles and me in the bedroom, and I was apologizing abjectly for, you know, I'm so sorry, man. I, you know, and Miles, yeah, I heard. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, yeah. You gotta go with the flow, John. <laughs> and uh, Miles and then, tells it like know, it is. That's for sure. And there was there was just this silence, and you know, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, John, you gotta form your own band. You know, mm. boom. Mm. And I took him at his word. So, and I was in the middle of that when I, I got a call from Mirslev. Uh, Mirslav and I became friends already in 67 when I met him in London. Uh, he was there with St. Getz. And um, he called me and he said, I don't record it on Mountain in the Clouds. You remember that album? Yeah. With Joe Great Anderson. And Joe Chambers is on drums too. Jack is on too. Chick is on that too. Mm. That's a nice album. And um, Anyway, Mirosov called me and he said, listen, John, I'm putting a band together with Wayne and Joe called Weather Report, and we want you in it. And I, <laughs> I mean, what a temptation. Can you imagine? And I, but I told him, I said, Mirosov, I'm under orders here. You know, i got to form my own band. Miles told me to form my, oh, you got to do it then. you got to do it. He was right away. It's like, boom. He said, but do you have a piano player? I said, no, I don't have a piano player. I'm looking for one. He said, listen, there's a guy from, from Prague, my friend, uh, plays piano. I said, I said, where is he? He said, right now he's out in California playing with Sarah Vaughan. He's playing with Sarah Vaughan. I want him. If you're <laughs> playing with Sarah Vaughan, you're a musician. Mm -hmm. You're a yeah. real musician. And that was it. And that was, uh, and Rick was in, of course, because Rick actually, 
he was the second choice. You know who I invited first? Tony Levin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and one week, <coughs> sorry, one week before, Tony just taking the gig with Gary Burton. Mm. So that was that. And so I called Rick. Right after that, I called Rick. Mm. And that, yeah. um, but you know, just prior to it, just to end, just to end the, the, that, that, that band. And because the first gig we, we had, you might have been there, Bill. We were opening up to, to um, we were open to oh, John Lee Hooker mm. at, at the Whiskey Gogo, Bleecker mm. Street. And, I was uh, uh, not there. Oh, you weren't. That was, was the, that was, yeah, that must be in July, uh, 1971. Yes. And, uh, and it was, it was such a great success. I mean, I was thrilled to be open up to John Lee. Not mm. that John Lee had any comment for me, you know, John Lee, but, but I was just happy to hit to, to you know, on his set, I would just be on, on, on the sideline listening. But we got held over, both of us, for, for an extra week. And so from, and the, the, you know, we closed on the Sunday. I think the Monday, we moved all the equipment out into CBS studio on 52nd Street and just set it up like we're in a club and we recorded. I think we, we got everything recorded in two days. Mixed on the third day, maybe four days, maximum four days. Recorded, mm. mixed, mastered, and uh, what was amazing is, is 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 it hit a spot that I will never understand how or why mm. that particular album just it hit the spot in people's hearts and minds and and the, you know and the rest is history. My only regret was, of course, was how that band ended. But, you know, can't have everything. Or as Mick would say, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> um, of course, your other dear pal that we lost this year is Chick Corea. Oh, man. Oh, dear. What a love. I miss him. It hurts still. And it's 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 really I don't know maybe because I'm getting older you know I mean you know next year I got the big A always looming on the horizon and I'm you know I'm, I've got two dear friends both cancer at the moment mm. I'm gonna lose both of them in the next weeks so it's uh, you know I mean I hope I have a good attitude to death but uh, you know I haven't died yet so I don't really know. Uh, but it's it's hard to lose people you care deeply about, you know. And we have been associated with for years. I mean, I've forgotten how many times Chick and I played together in different combos. We actually we never did a we did a duo tour in Europe. I think it was in the eighties, hmm. in, in the in the early eighties. But we never made that. And the only time we did that was in the five piece band right. shows, you know. Uh, we, we we give the guys a break and we do a couple of duels. But what a musician! What a player! But you know we had we uh, we had a kind of philosophical kind of standoff. Uh, 
<clears throat> in the early days. I'm sure I mentioned that to you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, because uh, I was getting deeper and deeper into yoga, and all of a sudden he, you know, he's got into Scientology, and and he was on West Twenty. First Street, I was on West 22nd, you know, so we'd go, I'd go over to his loft, you know, and we'd have these, these philosophical arguments, and then he'd come over and mine, you know, we'd have another night, white night, just talking about. And, uh, <clears throat> but we really got to know each other at that point, because when you're talking about things you really believe, you know, you know, and I wanted him to come my way. I said, you got to come, come on, man. come and see this, you know, just at least I, I was very, uh, that particular point, remember, to, to, uh, I wanted him to come and see Pierre Villayat Khan uh, mm -hmm. at the Sufi Center. He's a beautiful human being. I mean, astounding, shining. And he's like, no, man, you got to come and see, you got to come to the center, you know, and uh, I said, yeah, well, I know Elwin Hobbit when he used to be a B-class science fiction writer. <laughs> you know? I said, because I grew up with science fiction, thanks to my mom. And, uh, but I, I never, there was one thing when he wrote in one of his books, he said, if you ever want to make money, you found a religion, <laughs> which, which he did very successfully. Wow. But at the same time, you know, because I remember that time when, when Chick was going through you know, people were like uh, making uh, manifestations outside his concerts in Germany and France and different places because of Scientology, you know, and I was very upset about that because uh, I was ready to fight for him because we all have the right to believe what we want and what's insignificant and important to us, you know, and just because you disagree with them, it, this is how it's, it's terrible. How can you just anyway? Yeah, I, this I is, remember yeah. it. he got banned, and I think it was in Germany where he was banned from Germany, performing. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was, I came out, I came out for that, you know, because this, this is this is too out to lunch. Mm. This is this is fascism of, of, of a kind, isn't it? Just because you disagree with the guy, mm -hmm. anyway. But he he was he was a man of faith and uh, what a beautiful human being. It was you know after after we finally agreed to disagree, he he uh, we never even brought that subject up. But, you know because I, I I said anyway my brother you know what else is what else is real to that you know just love. Yeah, I was so pleased to be able to see the five piece band at uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center, and then later. At uh, Blue Network, he, you yeah. play with Chick at his 75th uh, birthday yes. week or month, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys had such a marvelous chemistry together. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. And, then, you know, his illness, it was known in some, in, in some smaller jazz circles, but I don't think the broader population really knew um the extent of, of his illness so his 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 passing was so tragic i mean there are some people you expect to just live forever um you know and chick yeah. was one of them I, that like, one that was return to forever is check forever isn't it yeah you know, that's, mm. yeah we all we all uh, i didn't know brian i, know. I didn't know it was no no i i only got an intimation of it 
in one week because we were always writing or speaking. Mm -hmm. I got it one week before, exactly one week before it passed away. Wow. And and I and I I got a call from him, but I couldn't get to my phone in time. And I called back and not even any answering machine. Mm. You know, and so I waited and then I called I called the next day, nothing. And they said, This is too weird. This is this is not chick. He always called me back. He always or texted back, whatever. So I had I knew something was weird, but 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 to lose him a week later, this was this was yeah. just brutal. Yeah. Just brutal. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, music lives forever, doesn't it? That's right. You no. Know? That's right. So you gotta be thankful for that. John, you mentioned you're going to be going on the road again as the world opens back up a little bit. Um, you mentioned two you have concerts. Two, concerts. two concerts. Where, where, two. where are they? Uh, oh, the famous one, you know, uh, Jazz of Juan. Oh, Trinita, yeah. Miles in Europe. That's mm-hmm. right. And Coltrane, Love Supreme, 1965. Miles, 1965, too. When I first heard Tony, Miles in Europe. Remember that record? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He was he he would be oh, 20, 21. Hardly amazing. Uh, so, and it's still going strong, but of, but of course it's it's um, it's a little reduced, like yeah. like almost all the festivals. Montreux and other festivals is drastically reduced yeah. because. because there's still, you know, the audience is reduced probably about 40%, 50% allowed to come in. You're going to have to have a PC, PCR test or show um, proof of vaccination, wearing a mask, and and then buy your ticket. So um, nobody knows how many people are going to come, but, you know, I just want to play. And we're going to have Nicholas Vicaro on drums because Ron just stuck in India. But he's good. Yeah. And actually, you know what? He's also in Etienne's band, The Prophets. Oh, okay. Etienne Mbappe. Right. Yeah. Not that he's had any concert either. <laughs> Nobody's had any concerts. But, you know, my agent says it's going to open up a little bit next year. So, you know, and this is a fourth or fifth wave. It's, Virus. What are you going to do? What about the States? Anything in the States in the future? I have, I have nothing. Uh, nothing. I don't even know. You know. I mean, we're planning for next year. All I have planned is a European tour. This is all I have planned for the moment. And I've right. always been, been on my case saying, you know, why don't you come to America? You know, and I say, uh, let's see what happens, you know, because already um, I was supposed to play with, with, with um, bass player Marcus Miller. Okay. Mm. Today. Oh wow. Today, the ninth. Wow. Edge Ralipin, <laughs> and but but Marcus had had all his European concerts canceled too. So, you know, and there was this also 
uh, coming in, and at, at that time, this is only like two weeks ago, it was this quarantine, it's this, this still quarantine, and, you know, if you don't have the papers, if you don't have the injections, you don't have the jabs, or the PCR test, you're in trouble, so we'll just see how it goes, I'm playing it by ear, Bill. Yeah, mm-hmm. as we all are, John, figuring yeah, it out as, as we, we go, but, uh, in yeah. any event, I, I'm, I can see that, that, and I can smell dinner cooking. I know my wife is going to be coming up here any minute now. So, so just do you have anybody, Bill O'Brien? Do you have any any last minute questions or it's like? No, I mean I certainly don't want to hold you up for dinner, John. That is the last thing I want to do. I just want to let people listening know again <laughs> about the new album. Uh, you know, coming out uh, Liberation Time coming out. July 16th is coming out yeah. next, next Friday. Next week. Yeah. Next, yeah. Week, next week. Maybe. Abstract yes. Logics. Yep. Yes. Um, so Freedom. <laughs> that's right. It's an excellent album. Um, and uh, John, no, that that's it for me. Bill, thank you for doing this. Joining yeah. our little yeah. jam session thank here. You, um, always a pleasure talking to you, John. Great to see really you. Is. Great, Great to, to see you, Bill. I haven't Great seen you. Right, man. Glad you're doing long, well. Man. Glad you're healthy. And, and Take you know, care yourself. good luck with those tours, John. Yep. Yeah. The tour is two dates, bro. <laughs> hey, that's that's two more than last year. And it's over. <laughs> that's for an 80 year old cat, that's a tour. Exactly. That's an 80-year-old tour. You're right. There you go. 